new on CuriosityStream. Grab your decoder ring. We're cracking the world's most famous encryptions. From the mom who took down the mob to the Zodiac Killer. See how the pros hide their secrets in plain sight on Cracking the Code. Plus, it was impossible to recruit intelligence agents without recruiting war criminals. Meet the retirees of the Third Reich who gathered Cold War intelligence for the U.S. on Nazis in the CIA. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. I was at dinner with somebody once and they're like, take off your glasses. Let me see what you look like without your glasses. So I do. And they're like, oh, you look way smarter with your glasses on. And I was kind of offended. But maybe just like when you're with your glasses on, you're like a super highly intellectual genius. And then when you just take your glasses off, you're just like an above average smart person. So maybe it's not such an insult. I would look better, yeah. like smarter with glasses, right? I think people would take me more seriously. I'd, I'd be getting into into better meetings and, and larger boardrooms. I find that I have been in less meetings since I've been wearing the glasses, but that might be COVID induced, not Mm, we should totally. vote in the comments. Should I get glasses or not? I, I think I think I definitely don't need them. My vision is just perfectly fine. I would strongly Thankfully. suggest there will be other things you'll have to contend with as you get older. Right. So mm. if the Tell vision me. isn't one of them, well, you may or may not notice that your hair is slowly getting thinner and moving further back on your head impossible well my barber told me i've got the best head of hair he's ever seen my 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 hairdresser has been telling me that for 20 years and i think she's lying to me now <laughs> you're paying her to say it hey, I, just, I do I, have gray I, I do have gray yeah yeah me too right look, at this. look at this gray hair. we're getting older what is your give me some some wisdom daryl what is your wisdom pass on to me the great wisdom of daryl frankfort this new Lego Star Wars game. Okay. Is and this, I strongly is this a, suggest a board this game, is, a video game. It's a video game, TK. Come on. You got to stay young. You, you got to try and stay young. You got to mm -hmm. try and connect to those things you enjoyed as a kid. Your inner child. Your inner child. I, I love it. I remember like when I was in construction, I used to love one part of it, right? I used to love the part where I got to put on the boots and I got to go into the, the machine and smash walls and figure things out and have fun. When you brought in all the money and the clients and the tradesmen and all that kind of stuff, it, it became not mm. fun. But like your man, older brother I coming and stealing all your toys. Sometimes playing in that dirt was a hell of a lot of fun walking onto that site and smelling those smells of wood and people cutting and everybody yelling at each other. That's a lot of fun. Well, speaking about playing in dirt, because no one really cares about either one of our childhoods or our midlife crises. Uh, let's talk about the real estate market. Real estate market. What a dun, dun, dun. music place to a lot of, be lot, right of now. a lot of listings uh, you know a lot of listings i was talking to talking to our director of operations and we got a, we have like three times as many listings on the go now than we did in january um myself included every everybody's just ready to come out now everybody's nervous they're scared they're putting their properties up on the market bidding wars are really not a thing right now it's like it happens we do it you know one two three offers something like that but to, but to set an aggressively low asking price in order to get people to bid it up again, that's gone. Those days are gone. And they were Those days like, are gone. They were yesterday. And everyone said it's going to be like this forever, forever. But isn't it amazing? I mean, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. When, when I was younger, I would always hear that this is us, a, a locomotion. A locomotive, a train that it was so hard to slow down and stop and change direction. And I don't know who used, I think Steve Saretsky called it like the Titanic or like a big ship, you know, trying to turn around and it takes a little bit of time. But fuck, man, this thing, this thing's got wheels. This thing, 
nimble. This thing turned maybe, on maybe a that's dime. Just, maybe that's just what they thought about the market back in the 70s. But this is a, listen, I keep saying it. Nobody else listens. Everybody uses all these old economic uh, formulas or, or, or ways of looking at things. It doesn't work the same anymore. It doesn't work the same. It doesn't move as slow. There's how, how if there was no social media, if there was no internet, would it be the same right now? Would, would everybody not be a chance? Scared, not a right? chance. Right. The so fear it's like, in the market is crazy. You can't open up a, a social media, a internet browser, newspaper, walk to your neighbors, pick up the mail. You can't go anywhere without somebody talking about real estate and having their opinion on either prices are going up or prices are going to come down. But, but even before, if people were all talking about real estate, there wasn't instantaneous news to everybody where, you know, like there wasn't people on Twitter going, holy shit, something just sold for 150,000 less than the last one. And then somebody yeah. over here is going, holy shit, this one just sold for 200 you know, le less than the last comp two weeks ago. And, oh my God, yeah. there's no more this and there's no more that. And it, it, it creates panic on top of people only get through the headline, you know, you know, probably one time out of 10 people go past the headline and actually read the article. And then on top like of more that- more than one paragraph? Like, but, but on top of that, is the person writing the, 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 the paragraph even qualified to write the, the paragraph now? Most right. And it's not. just all, but they are good journalists at writing about stuff. It's it, TK. It's we're part of the problem too, because we'll put out a, a thumbnail so that we can get views. Right. And a lot of people, they don't even click on the thing. They just see, Oh, prices are falling. So they think prices are falling. Maybe they, they see that it's us and they, they don't listen to it. But mm -hmm. the, the, the fact of the matter is, is we, we as a collective are creating a pandemonium in the market and creating shifts that are bigger and faster than ever before because of the information that's available. So are we part of, are we part of the mainstream media now? No. The Canadian real estate show. We are far from mainstream <laughs> anything. We're all something. We're, we're, no, we're, you have alt, to make, we're all mainstream. Be, you have to have big corporations in your pocket to be part of the, the, mm. the, the, the media, right? We're just, what about the ads that we're doing right now on our show? Like, do we get to control the ads? Um, the ads, like, I don't agree with all the ads. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I open up our videos and I see the ads, I don't agree with all the ads. Can we like vote on that? Is there some sort of I don't think so. board of directors meeting that that I can attend to figure maybe, out who's advertising maybe, and who's not? Maybe if Elon buys YouTube next. Oh, wow. What do you think about that? That is... A, you love it. I heard Elon I was buying that. Twitter to single-handedly stick up for the Frankfurt Report. He wants, to, he wants to promote the Frankfurt Report on Twitter to make sure that everybody knows just how valuable the information that you repost. Not a lot of original content, but you do repost other people's who have good content. Not a, original content. Do you have... I don't, I, don't go on, I don't go on Twitter. Sorry, Joe. TK. I, I thought you were a reposter. I'm tired of being offended by you today. Okay. And it only happened but, just there. But Elon... But Elon... I Obviously, think, he's doing it to control the Frankfurt report. I mean, why yeah. else would he be doing it? Yeah. I don't think we have time to talk about Elon buying Twitter. Is our guest here? He is. Oh, but we don't Let's have Let him in. This is an exciting guest, at least for me. I think this why will not, be exciting for you, too. Well, because yeah. he's pre-construction. I know, hey, but all... it's pre-construction. You, you I need tend to, learn to about like more fall asleep during pre-construction. Uh, I need to know. I need to know about there the is. world. At the fax machine. Not a fax machine. Copier, printer, everything in one. All I in one. That's a 3D stuff. printer right there. That can, that can print out dining room That can room print table. homes. Look at this. Yeah. Mr. Elliot Tobe, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I feel like I know you, and I don't think that I do, but I, I get an email from you. Or at least I used to. We have to talk, mister. Okay. This, Elliot has a wonderful regular email that I get that keeps me quite informed. And when I do steal stuff to repost on Twitter, a lot of it does come from there, I must admit. But I haven't been getting it lately. Uh, it's coming out under somebody else's name. I and got we can, that. We can jump into that after. 
I got that. that I only got like two. So I, I feel like I'm behind in my news right now because I haven't yet, I've, I've had to search for news, which is really the problem. But Mr. Elliot Tobe, do you want to give yourself a quick introduction to, to everybody? All three sure. of them? Sure. So you got my name. So I'm uh, been in the real estate industry, I guess, a little over 30 years. Uh, Pre-construction is what I do. I represent some of the largest uh, developers throughout the GTA uh, in taking their projects to market, high rise, low rise, uh, the whole bit. And that's what we've been doing. Uh, company International Home Marketing Group's been around uh, now basically 30 years as well. Uh, I was not there at the beginning, but I did join them about 15 years ago. President, broker of record, and again, you can see some of the uh, projects online and people that we work with. Yeah, amazing website. So, so you, amazing so you guys are on the marketing side. So you guys are dealing directly with the developer, and then you've got the uh, like an inside sales team as well, or just on the marketing side. Yeah, so sales and marketing. So with some of our developers, before they'll even buy a piece of land, they'll come talk to us. What's it worth? Uh, what can we build there? Highest, best value. Uh, some of our developers come in at a later stage. They've already bought it. They've entitled it. They're, they're going through the process. So we'll help them in the architectural stage. We're not architects, but we do understand what uh, clients need and what people want out there. We'll work with their marketing teams, the advertising companies. Uh, to ensure that we get the websites right, the sales offices, the brochures, any type of collateral that we need. Uh, but our job is we're real estate agents, we're brokers. So I have about, God, at any one time, there could be as many as 70 people working behind us, administrators, sales reps, project managers, VP of sales, uh, all of that to get these projects out. You'll walk into a Madison sales office, a great golf sales office, you know, brands like that, you think you're meeting their people. They're actually our people. We're just, we're contracted to do that. Okay. So, makes sense. Yeah. And, and I, so I, I don't know. One thing that I remember uh, that stuck out about you was at the very beginning of the pandemic, you were the first person, I believe, to come out with like a virtual type of presentation uh, to the market for, I, I forget what the launch was, but I remember uh, you guys did a video, mm -hmm. uh, like a video presentation. And, and if I remember correctly, you got like some heavy hitters on there. Or maybe you went on uh, a website and hired some people, but you, you had a couple, like it, it, it was, it was original and it was quick. And I remember, just remember thinking like, man, this guy's on the ball because everybody else is like, you know, sputtering. Nobody knows what to do. And this guy's already got like this video presentation with Snoop Dogg or who was in it. I remember it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Snoop Dogg, was it Snoop? Uh, Don Johnson. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know. Don Johnson. Um, yeah, no, no, it was cool. That was for a project called QA, uh, Queen Ashbridge, which is right, in, right. Uh, context in Rio Cam with the developers. It, it was an evolution. We started out doing these Zoom podcasts, uh, you know, launches. The first thing we, we launched virtually was a townhouse project in Oshawa for Sundance. And then it evolved and it evolved a little bit more into these like green screen and different stuff. But I had Ken Reed was uh, from Sportsnet, was my host, co-host. And yeah, we did these, um, what do they call it? Cameo, uh, right? Cameo. cameo. And, yeah. and that's how, how we did it. So, we, yeah, we got snooped. But you did it before people really knew what Cameo was. Like, I was like, how the hell did he get all these guys? This is this is amazing. Yeah, and I still actually use the Snoop Dogg thing uh, to this day when, when brokers and agents ask me a stupid question because his line was, it's in the broker package. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we still use it to this day. Amazing. Amazing. So, so tell me what's going on in pre-con right now. Are we busy? We are. We are. So, I mean, we came out of the pandemic didn't slow us down. It slowed us down for a few, you know, months. And then we started launching and things went crazy and projects just started doing really well, especially in low rise and 905. And we do a lot of 905 low rise, you know, Caledon, Oshawa, Whitby, so. And, and people were leaving the city. So those projects were hot and they were doing really well. And townhouse prices were going from, you know, 600,000 to 800,000, you know, to where they are today. And the high rise still also did really well. But I can tell you there is a shift. There is a dramatic shift in the last, 
you know, more so I'd say month for low rise and the last couple of weeks for high rise. And it's not that it's not doing well, uh, especially high rise. Uh, it's just, it, there's nervousness out there. Uh, projects cancellation, builders coming back asking for more money, uh, interest rate hikes, uh, the government trying to slow shit down. So th there's a little bit of nervousness. And then in the low rise pre-construction, we hit that price threshold. You know, how high can you reach and how high, you know, can you push the pricing? And it's there right now. So that has kind of slowed us down as well. So when you say slow down, like we have metrics in uh, resale that they're using that, you know, you can, you can actually see that there's a slowdown, like, you know, less uh, showings and no offers and, and strategic uh, uh, differences with, with, with price strategy, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Like, how do you gauge it in pre-con? What, they, what they, are the- uh, They decide how many, how many nights people have to sleep outside to get into the project. Anything under seven nights is slow market. That's right. That's yeah. right. We, we do that every so often just to prove that people are, are still out there, but uh, the amount of worksheets that we get, the, the release, because in the last year, like, and especially the last two years, uh, you know, if we come out and we release 25 houses, 50 houses, whatever that number is, they pretty much got snapped up right away. And right now they're not. Uh, and then we touch base. I'm good friends with a lot of, you know, other people who do my job, the other brokerages, as well as developers from companies who may do it in-house and just, you know, talking to them on a weekly basis on what they're seeing and what's happening. Uh, you know, we launched a project in Markham which has no product, like the, in the low rise side of it right now, there's no product out there. There's, you know, none of these big 300, 400 unit uh, subdivisions coming to market. So when there's launches, you know, if it's 50 houses, hundred houses, and they would tend to sell right away. And, um, you know, we sold half of it. And now we're doing one, two a week, which is really normal. It's going back to, to things a time frame when I'm a little bit more comfortable with uh, the normality of selling like that. Uh, and then in high rise as well, where we were hitting, you know, 70, 80, like, here's the funny thing. Like, you know, we used to be given six months, seven months, nine months to hit a 70% threshold in high rise for pre-construction sales. And now if we don't do it in seven or, you know, 10 days, you're, you're felt to be a failure. Yeah. I was going to say, mm -hmm. when the hell was it six to nine months? How long ago was that? When uh, was the last time you had that long before you felt like a failure? I'd say three years ago, four years ago. Three years ago. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah so it's been cool. a while though. Like that's a long time in real estate to like not have to think too much. And just be like reactionary, like fires all over the place because it's crazy. Yeah. So, so you say the same thing as a lot of the residential guys uh, say is like, it's more comfortable. So what, why is it more comfortable like this? I think when it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Uh, when, when price is escalating as, as fast as it is, it also you know, worries me. When we raise prices $50,000, $100,000 overnight on the exact same product that somebody bought yesterday, there's something wrong with that. You know, it's achievable and the developers got it and God bless them. And most of them are probably going to need it because their construction costs are so out of control that you, you think that they just scored an extra hundred in their pocket. They didn't. Uh, they will take probably very little of They that. recovered a hundred. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it is... I'm all for raising prices. You know, I think that shows appreciation in the market. And it's also my job uh, as a broker to get the best price possible for a client. But I don't see where a hundred overnight is logical, uh, even on a million dollar product, like to go up that much, to go up 20,000 overnight, 50,000 overnight. Something like that to me is, is a little bit more logical and keeps other people in the deal and, and it keeps the site going. And, you know, there's a natural time frame to, to sell everything but it it was crazy and I always knew that we would hit this threshold where people would say I can't do this or I can't qualify or you know I also have to worry about because I'm not selling for tomorrow I'm selling you know 18 months three years four years down the road in these projects that people are going to close on this right 
what ha what happens if a developer has 300 units and you know the market shifts and all of a sudden you know they've got their financing in place but there's a huge amount of people who aren't able to close you know i know that hasn't happened in 30 plus years but like what happens like well the last time we saw that was really like 2017 and if you're talking about high rise versus low rise it's a really different situation high rise we've never you know right now we're coming into the time frame where people bought for you know, 800 bucks a foot, 900 bucks a foot, uh, even a thousand bucks in the foot in, in the city. And guys will, you know, they'll crawl through glass naked to, to close these units because you can't replace it. So I'm not worried about that. And we're always thinking about the next thing we sold. I haven't seen anything at 1600 bucks a foot closed or 2000 bucks a foot closed. But yeah. what, what's that going to be worth at the time frame that, that comes along? in you know that 2017 new housing uh plan by the government to slow stuff down which did and prices dropped dramatically there were a lot of houses that didn't close especially in the low rise side it just really seemed to hit that sector hard. can you just qu quantify a lot for us god there was um you know community subdivisions that probably saw 30 percent, 40 percent of the people default walk away from because we used to take less deposit as well especially in low rise so you know if you've got 80 or a hundred thousand dollars in uh deposits but the properties are now two hundred thousand dollars less you're going to walk away from the hundred versus trying to close on something that's 200 first off the banks won't appreciate or appraise it at the value you need to so you're putting more money down uh so so guys like walked away. I, I still have developer clients who are still, you know, finalizing their last lawsuits and court actions and stuff on some of the thing. But here's, you know, the flip side of the coin, if these people would have actually closed at that time frame, even at that loss or, or deficit of price and sold it today, they'd probably be up four or $500,000 versus right. the 200 that they lost. Uh, and all the legal fees and headaches. But so, so the developers had to service that debt, right, of the thirty to forty percent, because obviously they've got a loan to, to to build all these houses, and they're already built. So they yeah. have to find a way to service that debt until they can resell them, take whatever losses, and then sort it out legally. Yeah. Right. So that's on yeah, thirty it, to forty percent on projects that are I don't know a hundred, two hundred units or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. But now we've got buildings that are going that are 400, 500 units. Right areas that are that are much larger at 16 17 1800 a square foot right yeah can can developers service that debt we'll see time will tell yeah, yeah. Time will tell. like uh they know, must be nervous too project that i launched which was just a few weeks ago i'm, I'm in the midst of launching a couple of new ones right now but the last high rise I did, which was uh, for Madison, a project called Alias, which is Church in Richmond, great location. I think we hit it just as the market was kind of saying, what the hell is going on? Uh, we got 1675 foot in the tower. The podium was like 1620. Oh my so that's God. Big that's big money. That, that's it's a crazy money. This is just insane. So, so, the the government is obviously and, and rightfully so should be putting some speed bumps in front of this thing we all agree you know like this is the only segment of any market where i think the people selling the product are like this thing's too hot like we gotta slow this thing down like please somebody do something because it's getting scary for even the people selling right and, and that's that's a weird thing to be part of right um so so they're trying to slow it down so, so tell me the assignments like if in your personal experience how much of this is happening is it like something that's gaining or was gaining traction i guess before they they started talking more about it is it a problem the assignments uh hasn't been yet and assignments are still trading really well they're they're probably trading you know 10 depending on the closing time frame 10 20 percent below what current you know values are for pre-con which is still a significant profit over what they paid for it um but there will be a lot of people who you know it, it hasn't it hasn't hurt us yet so the assignment market is definitely part of it 
but it, it hasn't hurt us. So we'll people are relying on that. People are relying on a, on um, assignments. Yeah. As their fail safe. Yeah. Right. As their fail safe or is their plan A? I'd say it's plan A because there's no capital appreciation is the game in pre-con right now because the rental does not justify uh, the price. You know, it used to be you bought the unit. So, you know, you'd close and, and you'd rent it and you'd, you know, you'd be a hundred bucks up, a hundred bucks down a month. Nobody cared. You know, now if you close, you are like big money in the hole each month because they don't cover at a thousand bucks a foot. You needed five bucks in rent uh, a foot to, to cover. And that's not even the case. So now, at 1400 1600 like the, the numbers are staggering so you're you're really depending on capital appreciation what did you say it was a thousand bucks a foot was five bucks in rent yeah. holy shit and we're at 1675 yeah and, and the so rent's not even at five in that area no way they're five bucks a foot three four maybe. bucks yeah, yeah maybe four bucks or 50 over there maybe oh it's on the building like you know a a hotel branded you know Ritz, Shang, uh, thing like that, but a typical, you know, ABC building is not getting that type of number for rent. Holy mackerel! So, so what do you uh, what do you project? What do you foresee happening in the next three to six months? Like, are we seeing a dip, a correction, a pause, a crash? I don't see. I don't see a crash. I see a, a price you know, stability uh, or a lack of product coming to the market because builders will just, you know, take a breath. If they don't think they can sell it for X, they're not going to because they can't sell it for less. Like that, that's the thing. In the resale market, you can fluctuate, go up and down because, you know, a guy bought the house for 400000 a million bucks, whatever. He's going to sell it for way more now. So he may not get 100 or 200 yeah. as, as much. But in the pre-con business, Land price was the land price. You paid it. It's already done. You're carrying this debt. You're going through the time frame. Construction costs are completely out of control. You nice. can't guarantee anything more than you know next week. Uh, you can have a contract in place with a trade, and it means absolutely nothing because they will not provide the service if they're not making money. Um, the taxes are unreal by the government, and, and this is what kills me, is the government says... We want to create supply. We want to create affordable housing. But yet the city of Toronto just raises DCs by 40%. York Region just raises, you know, taxes or DCs by 40%. Like yeah. you're, you're paying a hundred grand just in taxes on a unit by the city. But yet we want to create affordable housing. It's so crazy. It's, yeah. I call it uh, tickle my butt and punch me in the dick at the same time. Right. But that's what they do. Like, how the hell can you be out there advocating for, 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 for affordable housing? Whatever the fuck affordable even means. Like, who can afford anything? Like, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. But they're out there screaming from the rafters about affordable housing when, like, literally the next day or two days later, they're like, oh, but by the way, we're going to add like $100,000 to the cost of every single unit in the city now. Uh, don't say anything, but like, this is, this is what we're doing. And then. Yeah. Like, and, and we're not doing anything to make your life easier. Like if we could get through the process of, you know, of doing a project quicker, like the red tape of getting from, you know, purchase to entitlement to permit, like all of that stuff is years in the making. Um, to, to bring out a project and, and the cost of carrying the land and the consultancy fee, like everything along the way is it's staggering. Insane. It's and insane. Yeah. Like you, you look at foreign countries and, and you know, uh, one of my VPs was just uh, overseas. He went to Vietnam and he sent me a picture of, of a factory that they built in it's a new uh, Vietnamese electric car like they built the factory in 18 months like we can't get a city employee to respond to us in 18 months but yet they from start to finish and yeah. like taking stuff out of here a university in 24 months like it's nuts 
It's crazy. Yeah. Giga Shanghai was built in like a year or something yeah. like that. It's like one of the biggest factories on the planet. And in a year here, you're lucky if you get a pre-consultation meeting with the city. You've already spent like God knows how much money on architects and surveys and phase one and two and geotechnical and hydro like like the, the first of all it's the dumbest shit that you have to spend money on and second of all it takes so long and then you wait on the city for four months to even respond and then their response doesn't make any sense and, and is just like ridiculous opinions based on nothing and then you gotta fight with them for six months and then you don't hear from them for six months and then they're understaffed and then they'll throw new 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 regulations in the mix and it's like like, how the hell is anybody supposed to get, like, forward in this business? It's absolute insanity. So, so tell me, like, what, compare this to 2017. Like, I, re I remember I used to work inside Hunter Milbourne's office back, back in that time working on land. And I didn't notice anything was even going on in the market. Like, I wasn't in low-rise residential. Like, I just felt like the thing was still going. I don't remember a bump. Every time TK talks about a bump in 2017, I don't even know what he's talking about. So, so 2017 versus the, the now. Big, the big issue on the low rise um, was when people bought their homes, they assumed they were going to sell their property for X. And so when they were going into this now, you know, pre-construction uh, low rise, uh, you know, home, wherever it is, and they've paid top dollar for it, which is the market. And, and it made sense at the time they went to go sell their property. And now that there's like a $300,000 deficit plus a shortfall with the appraisal, they're like, I can't like the people who could close did close. Cause they knew the legal ramifications that they would get sued. Like if they could do it, they could do it. Most of the people couldn't, they, they, they just couldn't come up with the money to be able to get the financing. Right. So is that what's happening now? It's the same thing. Well, we're, we're not seeing defaults. We're not seeing people not close yet. So that, that aspect has not happened yet. And we've not seen developers who have slowed down come out $200,000 less than the competition. Like that happened in 2017. There, were, there was uh, low-rise developers who wanted to keep their machines going and had, uh, you know, different theories. So it would drop their price dramatically to keep people buying. And that just sent a wave through everybody else. I don't foresee that as much happening on this round. But and, you said they can't, right? They can't because of construction costs. Like they can't actually create a cheaper product. No, no. And with such a lack of product out there in new homes, like we're just completely underserved. Um, you know, I, I came through a time again saying, you know, I've been doing this for, for, for 30 years, uh, when we used to sell low rise, you know, 20,000 units a year, 25,000 units a year. Now we sell five to 7,000 units a year. Uh, so like people who want a house can't do it. The condom market, like the, the whole numbers have changed, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just a dramatic shift. And, and with no product out there, I think the guys in selling will hold on uh, to that value. Yeah, like why would you sell into an unstable uh, market that has all kinds of question marks all over the place? So, so it says here, uh, Better Dwelling, Canada's oldest bank begs, could we please stop with this supply myth? So, I mean... I, and I bring that, I, I, I put that up only because you're, you're talking about supply right now. And I mean, it's apparent to those of us in the industry that supply is obviously a part of the problem. It's not the problem, but I mean, there's the demand side advocates. What, what, what do you think about all of this stuff? Like, do you think that Supply we need is, to build more. Do we need to build more units? In can order we to outbuild solve this, this problem? problem? Yeah. Can we? Is that even possible? I don't think we. I don't think we can. Um, I mean, they, they keep talking that you need, like, you know, and just using number, like, yeah, you, know, you need a hundred thousand new homes a year, but yet we sell thirty thousand and we deliver, you know, twenty five thousand each year. 
that that seems to be a very unbalanced uh, equation. So can we build can we build a hundred thousand units a year? No, we, we don't have the physical ability first off to do that. No, it's impossible. We're so short. Yeah. This, the worst part, again, and I keep coming back to this low-rise side of it, is low-rise trades. We can't get low-rise trades. And we can't get them to go to areas that we've sold as more affordable, like the berries. Right. You know, you, you go outside of the, the GTA and you look at these areas that people, you know, invested or decided to purchase in because it was, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars less. We can't get the trades to go there. Now like, you can't get the drains that's a good and point. The concrete. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. They, they're, they're in such high demand and so low. So I'd rather stay a little bit closer to home. To home. I'll, I'll pour basements and do roofs in Vaughn. I don't want to drive to freaking Barry or to yeah. uh, Waterloo or Guelph or anywhere. And we're still going after the same trades. So, yeah. so and that creates so, upward pressure on pricing too, right? Is when you yeah. just can't start facilitating the demand and i think that that demand isn't going away like everybody thought right in 2020 we all thought oh everyone's going to move out and come back no people people don't want to be in toronto anymore they don't need to be in toronto the prices are better out there lifestyle is better and there's people who are going to be moving out there those populations are growing and that's where people will be going for the next 20 30 years right yeah increasing increasing the size of those uh little secondary markets how though if you can't build anything well, yeah, I mean, it's not going to try. It, we, we have to, like we we're paying a premium now to build the, like you have to give these guys, you know, extra money to come out to these kind of regions to, to build. Cause I'm doing projects right now, uh, you know, in the Barry area, you know, kind of both sides, Midhurst and, and a place called Hillsdale and, uh, I'm in the Bradford area, I'm in Whitby, in Oshawa, I'm in the West End, uh, Caledon, like, it, it's crazy what it's, it's doing to us. So, so I remember years ago complaining about how all the trades in high-rise were horrible because they were all really low-rise trades that weren't busy enough and moved over to the high-rise side of things. Didn't know what they were doing, but the high rise needed so many people, they would take anybody willing to do anything. And so you had like this massive migration from low rise to high rise. And now low rise can't get anybody. Nobody, high rise can't get anybody. Low rise can't get anybody. We need more. We're still bringing in a ton of people. We're not training anybody. And just so happens that all the people that are actually really good at this, they're kind of tired or wealthy and they don't want to do it anymore. Right. And they're starting to, to fall off, off the list as well. So it's like, what the hell's going to happen here? We're not, we're not going to slow uh, uh, immigration. That's been made yeah. pretty damn clear. We're, we're not investing enough into training new people. And I mean, how many people, do you know that swing a hammer and, you know, paint and install roofing shingles? Like who the fuck wants to do this stuff, right? I know my kid, he won't even leave the computer room, let alone swing a hammer ever, right? Like he's never going to install a toilet in his lifetime. So who's doing all this stuff? No, I know that that is the, the problem. And in certain trades, it it's more, it's not just the skill of doing it. Like there's an art, like, an artful bricklayer, an artful tile guy. Like you, it's tough. Like the, the, Can't the teach old it. mentality, the old, you know, the guards, the old Italians, the old, like that whole thing ha has completely left Disappeared. the Disappeared. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. And there's no room for it because you can't wait for the guy to lay one tile an hour perfectly, right? Nobody can deal with that. Nobody can deal with, you know, the cost of laying bricks now in stone masonry is absolutely insane. That's why you don't see these beautiful Victorian heritage style buildings or houses anymore. It's like they don't even make sense. Right? You get a we're, we're always talking about Daryl. Like we had a guy doing uh, modular homes. We have, you know, we've talked about different types of processes that you know, China has been using, we talked about your giant 3D printer next to you there, right? So all these things, these technologies are coming in, right? There's a company that was in um, 
Portland that was doing uh, wood structure housing. And it was all like, you know, they just, it was like kind of mass produced, right? Like they were, they were able to build things really quickly because they were building the same things over and over again and just cladding it different ways. Like there's things like that, that technology will impact, right? Like they'll start, they'll, they'll be forced to, you know, we won't have the trades to do it. You'll, you'll have the demand there. The money will be there. The technology will get better. And those type of things will start to change and we'll start to see a shift in how, and how things are built. Just like those Victorian houses stop being built one day and how, you know, those 70 style, you know, uh, brick veneers started to come out, right? Like all these type of things that happened that revolutionized the, the markets. And, and that's a hundred percent the way that I think things are going is like technology, new materials, all these things are going to make a, a huge impact, but where the fuck is the market going to be by the time they're here? Like, where is this thing going to run to in the meantime? Because have you heard any other than sentiment, which is obviously super important, but can only last so long while people are hoarding piles of cash, waiting on the sidelines, wondering what the fuck to do with it, and no better options out there. Like, you're going to put your money in the stock market now? Where are people investing right now? This whole thing is a mess, isn't it? This is pretty crazy. So, so, but is there anything that really will slow pricing down is the point of that rant there? Yeah. Uh, I don't see it. Yeah. I just, there... I, I don't see pricing coming down and, uh, or so I, I see it. I said, I, I do see the, the curve slowing, you slowing. know, as it like this, maybe it's a little bit more like that, but I don't see it coming down. No. And so what happens? Like, so, so when, when prices are, are stagnant at the end where you're selling guys like me don't know what to buy now. Right. So we slow down a little bit and our decisions, you know, even on stuff we thought was a good deal two weeks ago may not be as good a deal today. So like if that slows down, then there's less on the market and there's a bigger need for, for supply and the, immigrants are still coming and like when when does this does this ever get fit does anybody have a vested interest in this ever getting fixed uh do we care i don't like the word fixed though daryl like that's like well, it's fucking broken, broken. it's totally fucked up you know what pricing is is a metric of what people are willing to pay for a property i mean obviously Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever the, the the sales centers were lined up, people were willing to pay those prices. It was worth it for them. Who's to say what values are, whether it's you know worth more or worth less? I mean, the market dictates that. There's always fluctuations. But to me to say something needs to be fixed, like we need to go back to 2009 pricing or something like that, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think that's the case. No. I think we just have to constantly be fighting you know, the red tape, getting more stuff built keeping, you know, interest rates in line with reality. They should never be at 2%. You should not be able to get a five-year mortgage at 1.8%. You make stupid decisions, right? They should be in the 4% to 6% range, depending on, you know, the, the market and the economy and everything else, right? So I don't think anything's broken. So let's talk about that. So, so, so interest rates, are were interest rates low a function of, so what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like did the prices increasing necessitate the lower interest rates or did the lower interest rates facilitate the higher out of control pricing? I don't know. I, 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 they, they, they play into each other. People are just able to absorb those higher prices based on that interest rate that we right. have. Right. So what so happens it, now? It didn't seem to affect them so much. And, you know, this whole interest rate thing, yeah, in the last 25 years, I've never seen a five-year fixed mortgage go over 5%. I don't foresee that that happening. Interest rates going up right now is no big shock. They've been telling us that for weeks and for months and months that, that it's going to happen. So it, it went up and, you know, so you got a 1% interest rate. Um, but I mean, the, the, the scary part is if, you know, money does go back to four or 5%, uh, most people can't afford, you know, the housing as well. That's the, the issue. Because it's jumped so considerably in the last few years. Right. So, 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 so 
this is the weird conundrum is how is anybody going to afford all these super expensive houses? I mean, we were honestly like how many times have you driven around a neighborhood and gone, who the fuck is buying all these houses? Like who has all this money? Where is it all coming from? Now you need how much more to even be able to afford that house, right? So, so, so how, how does this play out now? Because they're definitely not going down anytime soon, these rates. They're going to go higher, right? Are we all of the opinion that rates are going higher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. slightly. Not crazy, well, they've already, slightly. Yeah, they've already gone up. They're not going down, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. Are they going What about those three, those three year high rise, those three years high rise projects, you know, where they got their pre-approval letter at the bank, which they got, you know, stress tests for and everything else like that in order to get that pre-approval letter where's the where's the interest rate going to be at in three years are they going to qualify for that mortgage still right that's yeah that's how does that work yeah isn't aren't those fixed for for the term until the building's built no not no. the paper comes from some banks will give us you know a three or four year uh cap on a rate some some won't it just really depends uh, the mortgage pre-approvals are, are not the greatest in, in most cases. They do a job for the developers, lenders to, to say, okay, most of these people seem qualified. Uh, they, qualified. Went, they went to the bank uh, in Brampton, Daryl. Looks okay to me. And they got yeah. the letter. They got the letter. Yeah. I've With the letterhead. That, you know, uh, yeah. All right. I, I've seen that number a couple of times on top of the letter too. Uh, but that, that, that's a whole other story. But um, I... Like here comes the other, in you know, interesting thing. So so prices go up, people can't afford it. The, you have to continue to live somewhere, so rent becomes better for the investor who's owning a property, who's hanging on to stuff, who closed. So maybe we do get closer to that five six dollar rent because somebody can't afford the down payment, they can't afford to carry it, they can't all that stuff, but they have to live somewhere and they choose to live you know, either in close proximity to downtown or within the city or just in the outskirts for commute. Um, so it's, it's not bad for the investor who's got, you know, properties to rent. Yeah. Mm. So far, I haven't met anybody who's decided to be homeless where yeah. they chose that that was going to be their path in life. Right. So yeah. we do, we do, we understand that the stat that's been coming out lately, I think it was a January to August, 2021 stat where they said 41% of buyers in Ontario were second property owners, right? So a lot of people were buying secondary properties, helping their kids, obviously, you know, transitioning from one house to another. So maybe that number is closer to 25 or 30%. But I think that that's a, that's a factor, you know, so I'm going to just play the devil's advocate here. Maybe our demand has been a lot higher and, and they've been eating up a lot of the housing that would have ordinarily been going to people and that we are on track to build enough housing to keep things moderately stable. You know, always we need more. There's always going to be more that you're going to push the envelope. We're running out of land. They're running out of spaces. Places are getting smaller. You know, there's always going to be a need to create more uh, housing, more bedrooms. Uh, but I, I do think that the demand side has been uncharacteristically out of control the last two years. And that's not something that's going to be normal for the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, so where's that demand been coming from? Hasn't it been more local? Like, <laughs> yeah, speculation, local domestic buyers speculating. Market's going up. Oh, I'm going to buy. Oh, market's going down. Well, I don't want to buy anymore. The prices are low. Well, it doesn't make sense to buy right now. Oh, prices are higher than ever. Oh, yeah, I want to buy that. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. That's how buyers are. It's, it's backwards. Yeah, it's pretty confusing. Right. Yeah, think why about is sellers that? too. Think about Everybody that. should have been selling in January with these house prices and their neighbors are going crazy. There's 200 showings and lineups down the street. It's not a good time to sell. No, 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 no. This is not not for me. I, I don't want that. Now no, the sky's falling. Week, we're getting yeah. we got 80 listings now because you know everybody's telling us that they want to sell. That now now it's a good time for them to start moving. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. all the buyers have packed it in. They're they're saying they're gonna wait it out. <laughs> so, so but if all, all this demand has been local. And I mean, all we hear about is all these foreign investors and they've been demonized and they've been the crosshairs are on them currently with the with the, the new budget. Right. Uh, well, supposedly they're going to they're going to talk about thinking about imposing a foreign ban. Right. Uh, foreign buyer ban. So, so what percentage of your clientele is foreign? Like considered a foreign investor? Almost that. 
almost none. Like, where does the money come from? That I can't ultimately track. But everybody, you know, has a cousin, a brother, a sister here. Um, I can't, you know, satisfy local demand of people who have their papers, have their passports, have, you know, look like you, like I, uh, here. So the, the true real foreign, like a 35% deal, I can't remember the last time I've done, you know, more than one or two in a project. Like it's rare. It's, it's absolutely rare. And this is the same. Have we ever got a different answer from anyone, TK? No. Well, so, yeah, Mike and Mike, Mike. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> the guy with the tinfoil hat. Yeah. Well, but no, we're not seeing that. I, nobody nobody okay, so, is, is buying real estate, residential real estate from some foreign, you know, diplomatic office, you know, controlling assets overseas, you know, maybe well, there's commercial it, investment and stuff like that out there, but yeah. Well, it comes with the caveat stuff. that like, I don't really know where the money's coming from and I don't know that I care so much, but like it, they're considered local. So, yeah. so, so fine. So, so then what percentage um, of your clientele would you consider an investor versus an end user? Oh, in pre-construction, high rise uh, depending on the location like there are certain locations that i will get that you know end user right away but it's it's 20 percent, you know true end user they bought because they're moving into this building 20 20 you know high rise and yeah and high rise and that doesn't always happen on day one. Like, you know, over the course of selling 100% of the building, 20% will, will be true end users right away. Uh, 80% are, are investors. Uh, 80%. We'll sell to the end user in the assignment market uh, down the road. A true end user, you know, first house, second house, trying to get in, can't make a decision four years out, five years out. Like that is... It's possibility yeah. in low rise because closings are 18 to 24 months you get a little bit more um you know true uh user and depending on the developer whether he's you know cooperating with with outside agents allowing assignment clauses things like that uh will define how many investors you're going to get in the product but we have had a lot of uh, over the last, you know, two years, especially a lot more investors in the low rise side of business. But, but generally over the course of your career, you'd say it'd be flipped. It'd be about like 80% end users and low rise yeah. and a much smaller pool of investors. Right. Yeah. And now it's probably closer to, um, you know, a, a 50, 50. Oh, wow. 50, 50. That's crazy. Holy yeah, shit. that's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. What a swing. Investors make better money in low rise lately than they have in high rise. I've got sure. guys who bought, you know, a year ago in places and are flipping for two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 more than they, they, they bought it for in a year. Yeah. And there's that's still awesome. a year ahead before these things are going to close. Are walkouts more popular in the new uh, low-rise construction? Walkouts always have a popularity because people are looking for secondary units, but it, it's just, that's a course of, you know, of the land. If I can get a secondary entrance on the side of a property as well, uh, I like it. If the government would allow us to do better secondary units in houses, we could design things that really make sense for... Um, people to be able to buy and rent a portion of their house out legally more so. Um, mm -hmm. It'll help. Well, that's coming with Toronto now. Too, so right? maybe, maybe it'll happen in other municipalities, a little bit easier road. And, and, and so tell me when, when you're brought in earlier in the process by a developer, when they're looking at a parcel of land, how often does this, does the discussion go to, you know, does this make sense as a purpose built rental? It, it did a lot more, God, four years ago, and that is switched. Uh, I have guys who, uh, you know, had, had purposeful rentals who have gone back to condominiumizing it. 
And, and is that is that because of the clientele that you work with? They're just not rental guys or like, like, why do none of these gigantically wealthy mega developers do more purpose built rental now? Like they, they have the ability now. Like, is it so is is minuscule compared to what it used to be? Right. So why why doesn't the government start incentivizing people to build purpose built rental more? Well, CMHC does, right? I mean, CMHC. But they don't, obviously. Of no one's building it. Programs. Who the hell's building a well, rental? Well, on the building? financing side, they they do, but not on the, the development charge side. The only people building rental buildings are guys that like already own the land for God knows how long, and they're like putting in a, another building, another or they tower. own like yeah. a great corner because they're they're Rio can, and now they're like putting up a million towers on the property. Nobody just goes or rental re- rental replacement and big projects. Like there was one on Well Wellesley and Bay, I think, uh, in the last few years, that was like a real purpose-built rental. I can't think of too many others. I remember, like, yeah, there are a couple of companies out there who are doing purpose-built rental. But I can tell you, in a lot of the stuff that that we've done, that was set up for maybe three buildings. One was going to be a purpose-built, and two would be market. Uh, It changed them all to market. Right. I remember four years ago at Bathurst in St. Clair. We just did that in uh, Mississauga Exchange District in Camros. We had one building that was set to be uh, a purpose-built rental. We've now gone back to to sell it as a condominium. Uh, A lot of even the purpose-built rental guys, you take a look at like the Greenwoods and, you know, companies like that who have these massive like 50, 100-year portfolios. They're taking excess land that they have in those pockets of rental and putting a, a, a condo tower on. Yeah, as yeah. Well. So the market's dictating that. Yeah. Right but now that, the market's saying free this, land. Is, this is the best return. Oh, that's just free land. They can do it. The, 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 the planning has allowed for them and, and the demand has allowed for their, it used to be that they had to build these tower in the parks they're called, where you have these two giant towers with a, like, parkland and fountains and tennis courts and nobody uses the stuff anymore so now they're allowed to be denser so these guys they paid for the land 30 40 years ago they have a piece of property sitting there now all of a sudden they can put 250 units on the thing plus a row of townhouses and maybe some retail it's like it's like a windfall and the best part is they're coming out at market price too right they've got this gigantic cushion of zero for the land and they're coming out at market too. So yeah. maybe the government should force them to make uh, affordable units. They're oh. always, the government's always putting something like I'm working. I, I do a lot of, you know, outside work in, in consultation stuff with other people. And um, they're always being forced into doing something like they're, they're, there's never when they get this ability to, you know, you utilize excess land, the, the government's imposing something on them for the residents, for the community, for, you know, different reasons to, to make things happen. Yeah, they have, they're always trying to suck a little blood from every stone. That's for damn sure. Because we need more parks all over the place for people to not use. Um, so what else is on your mind these days? Like what's keeping you up lately? You know what? Nothing. I'm, I'm good. Like, you know, I I have to say that for me personally, a more, a market that's harder to navigate is better for me because when it's so easy to sell developers who pay me say, I can do it myself. Like if, if we can just, you know, open the trunk of our car and go, Hey, I got condos for sale and everybody buys them. They don't seem to, to want me as much. So a, uh, a more difficult marketplace is always good for me because it allows us to do what we do, is, which is to become inventive, maybe find a new product line, something different, market mm. in a different way. Let's bring Snoop out to, to figure out how we can, you know, get in front of fourth. That, like when I used to do launches and a typical launch, you know, you'd invite the brokers into the sales office or to a theater. Yeah, I could get 100, 200, 300 people in front of me. Now I can do a virtual launch and have 4,000 agents watching online, 5,000 agents. So it's made my life a little bit more interesting. So um, 
I, I sleep well, but, and I'm happy because in the history and what I do, you know, whether I sell 2,000, 3,000 or 4,000 units in a year, I'm good, you know? And so uh, it's, it's not keeping me up, but yeah, I, I keep thinking about different things to do and different ways to do it. And how do we improve the process and how do we make the purchasing process um, a little bit more special for people that that's my biggest pet peeve and, and maybe I, I that's probably where i think because there's a lot of brokers out there there's a lot of companies out there and guys are coming in and they're spending you know seven hundred thousand a million bucks for an apartment uh and you know you get treated better to go buy a pair of shoes than you do to buy this apartment i want that experience to be great so those are things that that make me think and and stuff but other than that i'm good, good point yeah good point that's fantastic they can't sleep outside for more than three nights all right anything oh. more than that you got to put a hotel mobile hotel for them to stay over yeah yeah like and and i got they just here here's the the, the point of, of you know the, the the lineup and the sleepover because we we can eliminate that we can make it a little bit more easy for people but because things are, are very broker driven i really just want to see i want to level the playing field there's a you know there's the platinum status in the city and, and it, the system is slightly broken slightly what do you really want me to say here but we can probably come i think there's a platinum time. agent at my door right now yeah everybody's a platinum yeah. agent my neighbor yeah mm. right so that that system is a little bit broken um but by doing a lineup or doing something, it really evens the playing field. Who wants it? And the guy who's out there or stays out there or hires somebody for the most amount of money to stay out there uh, deserves the unit, deserves the commission on, on it. So I just kind of like that every so often, but uh, it's, it's not necessarily my preference. We've seen some crazy lineups for, do you remember when the, the one, not the one, when one Bluer first came out? Bluer... East, yeah. You remember the lineups for that thing? The first time it sold, yeah. Like yeah, before Great yeah. Golf bought it, yeah. I remember Ice Condos I, was the biggest one that I some crazy knew about. stuff. Days, yeah. wow! Yeah. Like, like the biggest, the biggest lineup I had, which wasn't even a sales thing, like because it goes to the worksheet process. But the the most amount of agents I ever was able to get into a line, and again, I've been able to far eclipse it by doing the virtual stuff but when we rented roy thompson hall for the launch of nobu and we had de niro mm -hmm. here and you know that that was a little bit crazy and they were lined up down the street that was yeah that was a lot of fun. what year was that that must have been 2017 or that was 17 yeah 17 was a crazy year a that lot of great, great yeah. buildings came out well cool well it was great to talk to you Thank I think uh, we're at the end of the the uh, discussion right now. Really appreciate your time. That was great. Where can our listeners uh, find you? What's uh, website, uh, social, anything like that? Uh, so etope1963, that's my Instagram. That's where I tend to post uh, most about kind of what's happening, what what's changing, what new projects are launching. Uh I'm in the midst of launching. Uh, we just did Hometown Hillsdale with Fernbrook, uh, Crystal Homes, and Zancor. So that, that's for sale right now. And that's just outside of Barrie. That's a low-rise project. And then I've got two great high-rises coming to market next month in May. Uh, one is called EXS. It's the final uh, tower in the Exchange District in Mississauga, which is right on square one. Uh, Cam Ross Falkwark. And I've got another one that I am super excited. And if you want to see like an opportunity for an underserved neighborhood, this is 34 Southport, which is in Swansea, uh, which has no product. And that's, you know, High Park, uh, Bloor West and, and the Lakeshore uh, by a company called State. And it's the first tower, uh, you know, in a multi-phase uh, community. And that's how may 12th so those are really cool and then i got a lot of interesting shit that's going to happen and uh may go back to why there's a different name on the, the the nightly newsletter i'll come back and i'll tell you guys all about that 
Perfect. We're We'd love to, to have it. you back. Yeah. Whoever is sending it, please tell him to send it more often. It goes every day. So maybe just check your spam. Oh, spam. It happens a lot. It goes to thousands upon thousands of people every day. So yeah. I know sometimes it just ends up in spam, just, you know, MailChimp settings and shit like that. Got it. Well, everybody check out the, uh, the mailer. It is fantastic and it keeps you up to date. That is for sure. Also some cool international projects on there always. Thank you, sir, for your time. Have a wonderful week. Good luck with those launches. And we would love to uh, have you back one day. Thank you so much. Anytime, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Enjoy your Sunday. I will. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. New on Curiosity Stream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.